humanism as contested concept. From our discussion so far, you may already have a sense of why we have reason to speak of theology as a humanistic enterprise. But there's a lot of confusion about the concept of humanism, making it important to explore that side of the theohumanism coin. Humanism today is commonly associated with secularism and even atheism. As we discussed earlier, circumstances surrounding the rise of modern science made it seem that being religious required disregard of human realities for focus on otherworldly affairs. This assumption led to the conclusion that being secular and being religious involved two separate spheres, the worldly and the otherworldly. Such a bifurcation made humanism, with its focus on the human being in this world, a decidedly secular matter. Today, some link humanism to atheism. The idea here is that a theistic outlook requires a quasi-fatalistic resignation, total dependence on God for solving our problems, making human effort unnecessary or even futile. In this view, humanism, implying human responsibility for world problems, requires a wholly atheistic outlook. The association of humanism with secularism and atheism wasn't always the case, certainly not with the rise of modern humanism in Renaissance Europe, where religiosity featured prominently. In what follows, we'll briefly explore the varied meanings of humanism as a contested concept. In the next section, we'll look at Renaissance humanism as a scholarly movement that was distinctly theological. Humanism is used in countless ways. What is common to the many usages of the term is a focus on the human being, but a focus on the human being can be either secular or religious. All communities, whether seeing their beliefs as secular or religious in character, view humans as responsible for their actions and as capable of discerning what's best for the world. The difference, it seems, is that theists, in contrast to atheists, see all human activity including responsible human planning and discernment of what's best for the world as a gift from God. One might think humanism would be a point of connection between peoples of varied belief outlook, but it's often a point of contention. Atheists claim they possess humanism, using it to denigrate theistic believers as unable to think for themselves. Theists claim they possess humanism, using it to denigrate atheistic believers as morally suspect. Who owns humanism? For others, humanism has a dark side. It's a cover for universalism, the idea that all peoples are to align with a certain definition of being human and share a single set of values. Those who take this position see humanism as a tool of imperialism, the domination of one people over others in the name of cultural supremacy. Humanism can be weaponized by a learned elite to deny humanity to allegedly less learned peoples as a pretext for dominating them, but that's a perversion of the concept. Humanism is a call to recognize the nobility of humanity on its own terms. There is then a universalism to humanism, but it is not about cultural uniformity. Rather, it is about the insights that the cultural heritage of all peoples offers to the banquet of a global humanism and the aspiration that people across diverse cultures share for meaning and purpose. The question features in debates over the place of cultural pluralism in school curriculum. 
What are the great books that are to shape the cultural horizons of our students? Are Africans to read Europe's philosophers? Are North Americans to read China's classic works? Are South Americans to read India's great literature? A key concern in these debates is relativism. Where does truth lie? If we treat all cultures the same, aren't we undermining the concept of truth? Isn't what is acceptable to one culture morally reprehensible to another culture? While beyond our goals, it is worth noting that appreciation of humanism as a global phenomenon actually sharpens understanding of its ends. If humanistic literature were specific to only one culture, we could easily dismiss its global relevance and fear it as a tool of cultural domination. In both cases, humanism, here used to refer to the study of the humanities, would be suspect. However, when we see that each culture enjoys its own humanistic heritage, we realize that humanism is not unnecessary luxury of a privileged class, but fundamental to human flourishing. When we see that no culture has flourished without the humanities as a means to cultivate the wisdom needed to sharpen discernment of what's best for society, the significance of humanism is all the clearer. It's not the pride of a learned elite, but a force for wisdom enabling society to flourish. Awareness of the universal nature of humanism should spur you to commit to your own humanistic heritage as vital for the flourishing of your society.